audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me today is OBGYN uh, with Monument Health Spearfish Clinic. It's Dr. Heather Brewer. Thank you very much for joining me, Dr. Brewer. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, today, the topic is going to be birth control. And I know a lot of people instantly think, well, pff, I know everything about that. If you're an adult <laughs> and you're of sexual age, of course, I'm sure you know or you think you know all about it, but I, I imagine there's uh, there's going to be a lot of info and a lot of a lot of things you can answer in this podcast for sure. us. I hope so. Um, well, let's just let's let's start off very basically with this: uh, the different types of birth control. And I'm assuming we'll we'll, we'll kind of concentrate mostly on women's birth control in this podcast. Um, you know, but I'd like to ask you about men's birth control too. Your knowledge of that, maybe sure. as we wrap things up. So, what are the different Types we we know the the, the basics, but mm-hmm. could you go through that for us? Sure. Um, so there there's lots of different types out there available. Um, you know, from kind of the least convenient to the most convenient, <laughs> uh, sort of how I usually describe it to patients. Um, the least convenient being, um, well, really. I guess that sort of adds in the male birth control. So sure. condoms are probably mm-hmm. the least convenient in the sense that, um, you know, you have to use them every single time. You have to have them available, that kind of thing. From from a female birth control options, we, we talk about birth control pills. They are probably the most commonly used, um, and they're the most readily available, but they're the least convenient for women to use because they have to take them every day, and they have to remember to take them every day. Um, they have a little higher failure rate just because they have to remember to take them, and if they forget they don't work quite as well, but they are the most commonly used birth control out there just because they're relatively inexpensive and, and easy to get. Um, and then there's there's a patch, which is a little um, more convenient. It's once a week. There's a vaginal birth control that's once a month. Um, and they all kind of work similarly in that they um, have estrogen and progesterone in them. And, and so they all kind of work the same and they... Um, and so they're, they're more kind of basic, something you have to do every day, every week, every month. Um, and then we get into a little more convenience where Depo-Provera is a shot. It's once every three months. So that's a little more convenient for people who maybe don't think they can remember to do something, uh, you know, every day. <laughs> right. um, so that's a shot every three months. Um, that has progesterone only in it. So for people who maybe can't take estrogen or, or don't like to, um, that's a little easier for them. Um, you know, that one they have to come into the clinic for or, or some, you know, go to a pharmacy or something every three months to get that one. Um, and then after those, and we talk about long-acting reversible contraception, you'll hear the term LARC, L-A-R-C, which stands for long-acting reversible contraception. So um, it's, it's a term that gets thrown on a little bit, maybe just in medical Now, is uh, this circles. something... Is this something reason? I've never heard of that before. Okay, so it's not. It's not. Those aren't new. Like those okay. are IUDs um, oh, or the implantable devices. Yes. Okay. Um, those are things that um, we uh, we advocate for a lot, just because of the convenience factor. Um, they're highly reliable birth control and um, also very convenient. So um, they're. I think 
you see and hear a lot more about them now since the Affordable Care Act because mm-hmm. they're they're very cost effective and generally are also covered with insurance because of the Affordable Care Act. And so um, prior to that, it, you know, they're pretty expensive. And, and so not a lot of patients um, had insurance that would cover them. And so now we we probably see people using them a lot more because of the um, affordability mm-hmm. of them. Um, so IUDs, there's several different kinds. Um, there's five. Um, there's four different progesterone secreting IUDs and one that uses copper. And so there's a three-year, a five-year, an eight-year, and a 10-year device. And so they're varying lengths of time. Um, and so there's a lot of different choices there. Um, and then the arm, there's one that's implanted into your arm. That's a three-year device. And so it's the ease of use is great for patients so that they we put them in for them. They don't have to remember to do anything. The effectiveness is obviously much higher because they don't have to remember to mm-hmm. do anything. So we see much lower unintended pregnancy rates with those. Um, and so we, we advocate for those a lot in all patients. Um, it's something that um, it... Mo- you know, usually high satisfaction rates with those. Um, and so we, um, we certainly do a lot of those in our clinics just because they're, um, you know, um, high effectiveness as well as patient satisfaction. I'm just you rattling off this list and trying <laughs> to keep up with them. All. No, no, no. This, this, is, this is great for my next question. Because so let's say uh, a woman comes in and she's, uh, you know, ready to get on a type of birth control. Yeah. If uh, if I was a woman listening to this, my head would have been spinning just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are so many choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then you, as as her gynecologist, Mm -hmm. how do you even start the process? How do you even start to tell her this is the path you're going to go down? So I would say, like, for most patients, if they come in and they're asking about what kind of birth control, you know, they're not sure what they want. Sometimes they come in and have an idea, but usually I ask them kind of like, what their goal is, how long are they thinking they want to be on birth control, are they thinking they want to start a family in X amount of time. Um, We look at their any medical conditions they may have because that may rule out certain kinds of birth control. Um, Maybe, you know, what their periods are like, things like that, because certain ones might affect um, and help, you know, certain conditions they're having. So, um, you know, if they're thinking they they don't want to have any children at all, or maybe they want to have kids in a few years, or maybe they're not, um, you know, they're, they want to have a baby in one year. Well, an right. IUD is probably not worth putting in for six months or eight months or something. Those are longer acting mm-hmm. things versus someone that knows that they, you know, want to wait several years, you know, then that makes a difference. Um, there are certain medical conditions that we would not use um, birth control that contains estrogen. So people that have had blood clots in their legs or lungs or things that um, you can't use estrogen in patients that have had those types of conditions because that really? it increases your risk of having a clot again. So we have to be a little careful in those situations. Or patients who have migraines with auras, um, those are a relative contraindication to using estrogen. So we'd have to pick an estrogen or a non-estrogen containing birth control. So your medical conditions do also factor into the choices. Uh So you have to kind of look at the whole picture of the patient to decide, and then you kind of of go with that route. Um, 
Some birth controls help with PMS. So if patients have significant PMS, then we would maybe go towards a route that does actually suppress ovulation, um, like a birth control pill or the patch or something like that, whereas an IUD does not actually suppress ovulation in all patients. So it wouldn't really help them with their PMS or their menstrual migraines, but it, you know, whereas a pill would. So So, so there's some... It's a little complicated. <laughs> oh, boy. No kidding. Just yeah. trying to keep keep it straight. Uh, um, you know, be thankful that there are people like you out there that can put all this <laughs> into perspective and help them out. But um, it, what, what, you, you said something interesting about how uh, some of the medications you take mm-hmm. can, can also have other benefits for women, too. Mm-hmm. Now... Do they find all this out in the in the in the trials and the studies for these, or or is it like, well, this medication we know works for birth control, and then these women are saying, but it also does this thing. Is that kind of how you probably learned both. about that? Yeah, okay. probably both. Like some of the things, um, you know, um, you know, some things probably in development where you know that they did it on purpose when mm-hmm. they were making these medications, and some were probably found out later after they, you know, developed the birth control, and then later on people said, oh, this helps with this. Um, <laughs> what are but, some of the benefits you can yeah, get outside um, of that? So, you know, we have, you know, certainly we have patients who have significant, like, PMS-type symptoms that um, those can be helped uh, with birth control that suppresses ovulation and that gives them more of a steady hormone state every day. Um, so pills, um, the patch, the vaginal birth control ring or Depo-Provera or the implant in the arm, any of those could help with that type of symptom. Um, people who get menstrually related headaches, that can help. Um, patients who have endometriosis, which is another medical condition. Um, people who have really heavy bleeding or irregular bleeding, um, birth control can help with that. Um, also, um, birth control can protect you against ovarian cancer and uh, uterine cancer. So those are things that also can be benefited from taking birth control. So has there ever has there ever been a side effect that's really surprised you from birth control? Uh, you know, uh, whether I mean, I'm totally blown away with the last two you mentioned about the yeah. cancers. Yeah. Um, I think that one surprises patients yeah. because they're you know there's some fear sometimes and patients are worried about. Um, you know, um, birth control causing cancer. You know, Mm. people are worried. I think there's, uh, you know, breast cancer is always a fear of people. And and is it it a legitimate fear? Um, You know, that's a difficult question to Mm -hmm. answer. I mean, there are probably, you know, some breast cancers are hormone receptive. And so there's always this concern of will birth control cause and, and, you know, there's, there's, there's controversial studies out there that, you know, um, I don't, I'm afraid there's probably not good data on right. um, that you can say with any certainty okay. that birth control pills will cause breast cancer. Um, but um, certainly in patients who have a history of breast cancer, we don't give them hormonal therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's a difficult one to answer. But, <laughs> sure. um, but, but in patients who are higher risk for breast cancer, if they need hormone therapy, we still tr- use hormones to treat them for other things. So right. it, um, you know, that's a, t- that's a tougher one to answer, but, okay. um, but we know it protects you against o- ovarian cancer and uterine cancer, um, just by nature of 
of how uterine cancer is caused by uh, you know, too much estrogen, not enough progesterone. And so if we can balance those hormones or uh, ovarian cancers, you know, one of the theories is felt to be that it um, damage to the ovary caused by ovulation. And so if you keep that from happening, then you're protecting the ovary a little bit. And so there is some data to show that they're protective and people that have been on birth control longer. Um, so, um, you know, in patients who maybe have a higher risk of that, then that can be helpful to them. So, Well, and, and maybe maybe this is a silly question then. Why why would, if those medications can, can protect you in that sense, why would you want to use anything else? Well, I think those, you know, ovarian cancer is really rare. So, you know, oh, that's okay. not, you know, that's probably not people's primary goal. And sure. so it just depends on what they're looking for. So some people tolerate some things better than others. So there are patients out there who have been on birth control pills and maybe they didn't like how they made them feel. Mm -hmm. And so they want to do something different or, um, you know, they'd rather have something that is just local effect, you know, that they, um, that, um, like an IUD is a local effect to the sure. hormone. They don't get much systemic absorption, and so they have less potential side effects. Also, the lack of estrogen in an IUD versus, you know, if they have some of those other medical conditions where they can't take birth control pills with estrogen, okay. uh, that's another benefit. Um, uh, you know, okay. there's lots of different choices. So uh, Now, one you didn't mention, and uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm surprised that you didn't mention it because it seems like it's a pretty... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a major surgery, but that would be having your tubes tied. Oh, sure. Is, yeah, is that, is. Is, is that, <laughs> yeah. well, is that. Yeah. That, sterilization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I sure. don't, but that's not, you wouldn't recommend. It's birth control. Yeah. Sure. I, in a sense. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's not really reversible, is it? Or, so or it's meant to be non-reversible. We always counsel patients if they want to have their tubes tied, that it is meant to be non-reversible okay. um, and permanent. Um, you know, there are places in the United States that do reverse them. Um, although it depends on how you have your tubal done, it is, um, nowadays, most tubal ligations or, or tube, having your tubes tied is done by removing the fallopian tubes. Oh, um, it, uh, a few years back, the, there's some data showing that some ovarian cancer probably starts in the fallopian tubes. And so it's been um, American College of OBGYN's um, recommendations just to remove the fallopian tubes if, if someone wants a sterilization procedure. So most of the time now we just remove their tubes, um, whereas in the old days we used to take a segment out. And so there were patients who could have their tubes reversed where they could have them sewn back together. Um, nowadays that you know, if you have them removed, they're removed. Right. You know, you can you could still go through in vitro to have more children mm -hmm. at that point if you wanted, but you couldn't really have a reversal done. Okay. Uh, but if you did have just a segment removed, you could have a reversal done. But when we do a sterilization, we you know we counsel patients that it is meant to be permanent and non-reversible. Got it. So. Okay. Um, are there any are there are there any misconceptions that you hear about birth control that you just wish? You could tell people, look, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is this just please don't believe sure. that or whatever. Do you have something? Yeah, there are. I mean, there are quite a few, I would say. Um, for one, I think, you know, we, you know, Dr. Google is is pretty prevalent, <laughs> right? So minute, um, I'm like, wait a minute. There's a, I have an interview. to. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So people do get a lot of information off the Internet and, and you know, good or bad. There's there's a mm. lot of out there right. that, um, you know, especially about IUDs. I mean, there's a lot of information out there and, and people who have had bad experiences with IUDs, they, they, they tend to put that out there. And, mm -hmm. and I would say that 
people that have great experiences with IUDs don't don't necessarily put that out there. Well, generally and so, you, you don't, yeah, yeah, because everything worked perfectly for you. Right. So, so um, but it's, uh, for one, um, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about IUDs. And so, um, for one, is, is that um, teenagers can have IUDs. And so we advocate for that, um, you know, teens, reliable birth control for teenagers. I mean, we, we all know that, that teens are having sex and we want them to be on reliable birth control if that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we do advocate for these, you know, long-acting contraception. That's something that's reliable and effective. And, um, and so uh, it's always about their choice, you know, what type of birth control they want. We counsel them about their choices, but that, that is an option for them and something that's reliable. So um, in the, you know, way in the old days, um, (laughs) IUDs used to be reserved for people who were married, and and that's just not true anymore. And so so that's a misconception that they can be used in any patient, really. Mm -hmm. Um, We always rule out sexually transmitted infections when we're putting them in, but but they can be used in anyone. that birth control causes weight gain. That's another one. You know, women tend to be very sensitive about weight gain. Yeah. And so um, really, um, Depo-Provera can cause weight gain. There is some truth to that. Um, but most other birth control really does not cause weight gain. Um, and so birth control pills generally are very weight neutral. And, you know, not to say that a patient can't notice some weight gain, but um, as a whole, they do not cause weight gain. Um Let's see what else. Um, I, I think I think the biggest thing is really like talking to your provider and yeah. knowing that they have the information, you know, um, and trying not to rely on the internet. Um, right. Well, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's areas of the internet that you yeah. can trust. You know, you For could sure. you could go yeah. to Monument Health. You could go to the Mayo Clinic yep. website. But yeah, you know, stay off a lot oh. of. Yeah, the other <laughs> the one forums. I thought of, sorry, was infertility. Oh, okay. Um, you know, people worry about infertility, that mm-hmm. birth control can cause infertility. Um, and and that is, that's not true. Um, really, almost all birth control, your fertility resumes sh- very shortly after discontinuing. Depo-Provera can cause a delay. There's a time that it will take to get out of your system. But otherwise, um, it uh, most birth control, your fertility resumes pretty much immediately. I think the... I think the thing to keep in mind is that people don't really question their fertility until they try and get pregnant. And so some patients will have some infertility. It really has nothing to do with their birth control that they were on previously. So out of all of the, uh, the, the ones that you've listed too, which are the most, which are the most effective in your opinion? So the intrauterine devices, so the IUDs for sure are the most effective and the, and the implant in the arm are the most effective. They're okay. 99 plus percent effective oh, wow. just because the, when you look at birth control, you look at the um, ideal use versus the um, um, ideal use is not the same as the typical use. And so, um, you know, you can look at studies and what, what typical use is, is always going to be lower than what ideal use mm-hmm. is. But with the IUD, it's the same. Because the patient doesn't have to do anything. Once it's put in, it's in. And so it's, you know, 99 plus percent effective. And whereas birth control pills, we say, are 97 to 99 percent effective is ideal use. But typical use is somewhere around 91, 93 percent. wow. Because people forget to take their pills and they or they get sick or they, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they take some medicine that maybe interacts with their pills or something like that. And so 
they they have a little higher failure rate. So. Okay. Uh, now, being a surgeon too, we've been I've, I've been trying to ask the the, the, the surgeons that have been uh, on this podcast so far that when when you're in surgery and you're you're in the groove, do you have a playlist? Of music that you listen to, something that you absolutely have to have on while you're doing surgery. I don't have a specific playlist. I like country music, so oh, I listen to thank country. Goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're the first one that's coming and said, "I want to hear country." Yes, I listen to country music mostly. Okay. So the the girls will put country on when I'm when I'm in the OR. Usually, Excellent. So. Well, that's the best mm-hmm. way I could think to wrap this mm-hmm. up. Then, <laughs> uh, Dr. Heather Brewer, OBGYN, uh, surgeon with the Monument Health Spearfish and Clinic, and uh, you do have some appointments in Sturgis, though, too, I, I believe. Do, okay. I do an outreach clinic in Sturgis once a month, yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, it was great talking to you, and uh, I know I certainly learned a lot, um, which isn't saying much, but again, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in and talking Thanks to me. Thanks for having me. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquist, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.